Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a pretty difficult subject, ectopic pregnancy. We think it's going to be an informative and helpful episode, so stay tuned. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. And as always, we appreciate if you guys would leave us a review on iTunes. I know some folks have asked how to leave a review on iTunes and, uh, you know, look it up. Because it's actually not easy, to be honest with you. If you go on iTunes or you go on the uh, Apple Podcast app, it's not easy to find how to leave a review. But actually, if you just scroll down to the very bottom as you're in our podcast, you can scroll down and you can see how to leave a review. Five stars are great. We like five-star reviews. They're fun. And they might help counteract some of the one-star reviews or some of the negative thousand-star reviews that we've gotten over the past couple of months. Not from our normal viewer. Not from our normal viewership, but from some pretty nasty pro-abortion people, which hopefully in the next podcast we'll read some more of those reviews. I think it blessed people to listen to some of those fun fun reviews. They are pretty entertaining. (laughs) But today we're going to cover a subject that I hope will be a blessing to you guys. And it's a question that a lot of pro-life people have, a lot of people on the sidewalk. It's something you're going to run into if you haven't, and you're in ministry on the sidewalk. You're going to run into this. You probably already have. Uh, But it's the subject of ectopic pregnancy. Now, right off bat, we're going to make sure and let everybody know we're not medical professionals. I'm not. Vicki is not. And our guest, Lisa, is not a medical professional. So we're not giving medical advice. Mm -hmm. What we're giving is just our experience. Lisa has experience in dealing with moms that have had ectopic pregnancies, but also experience in ectopic pregnancy herself. So she's going to speak from a unique perspective. Um, And we're also going to be referencing an article that I guess we'll put out in the show notes of the podcast. Right. Um, Ectopic personhood from the uh, personhood initiative. The personhood initiative. And yes, the name of the article is ectopic personhood. Yeah. And it's a real helpful article. So we're going to be referencing that article some, Um, but we're going to talk really again around sidewalk counseling and dealing with the subject of ectopic pregnancy when you're talking to a mom who's going into an abortion center. And we've had volunteers, Vicki, you mentioned before we started this podcast Mm -hmm. that uh, one of our newer volunteers, one of our questions on our volunteer application is you think that there's any exceptions uh, that that make it okay for a mother to have an abortion. And for the most part, people say, no, there's no exceptions. But this uh, young lady actually said, yeah, but only in the case of ectopic pregnancy. Right. And the reality is that she she didn't really understand all of the ins and outs of this. You were able to mm-hmm. call and talk to her mm-hmm. about this. And so we're going to talk about some of that. But we also understand that even in, within pro-life uh, ministries and with individuals, there's differing opinions and views on ectopic pregnancy. And we're not going to pretend to solve all of that mm-hmm. uh, because it is a pretty, actually, difficult question to, to really try to just answer, and here's here's the exact answer to it. But I think we're going to give you guys at least some information that you can process, you can pray about, and that will help you in dealing with moms who are considering abortions because they've been told that they have an ectopic pregnancy. So that's a, a, a long beginning to hopefully a... A, a good um, discussion about ectopic pregnancy. But Lisa, re- real quick, just introduce yourself 
And just so you folks know, Lisa has been involved on the sidewalk for a long time. She's going to share a little bit about that. And she and her family were instrumental in starting Cities for Life uh, back in 2010 or, or before that. So, but introduce yourself on your with your with your own terms there. Sure. My name is Lisa Metzger, and I am a second generation. Uh, sidewalk counselor. Okay. My parents um, brought me out at a very young age to the sidewalk um, to offer hope and help to a woman that was going into abort. So I've been at this a, a really long time. And as Daniel said, I helped, um, Mark and I helped, my husband Mark and I helped with setting up Cities for Life and, and getting that ball rolling there. So that was quite a privilege. Um, and then just to see where it has gone, what is amazing. Um, we have 14 children, three of those children are adopted and we have a whole bunch of children in heaven because of miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of those babies that we lost was an ectopic pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I can speak from experience, um, coming from this. So yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was Lisa that got me involved in (laughs) cities in cities for life and ultimately in sidewalk counseling and, and where, where we are today. So I really appreciate Lisa. Aww. So yeah, she's yeah, very special. We do lady. appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Hey, you got you got fourteen kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's not easy to get away from yeah. uh, from the house. I'm sure. I'm sure the opportunity to come and, and do a podcast here in the office was maybe just an opportunity that you seized, and you got one of the other kids <laughs> to watch so, little escape time. <laughs> yeah, we do appreciate you coming. So yeah. I, I do want to so that we don't go right into the issue of ectopic pregnancy. I want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about your experience because I think we'll, we'll just capitalize on this moment. Right. You said you're yeah. second generation sidewalk counselor. So mm-hmm. your parents were involved. Uh, was it Operation Rescue? That's right. They started when Operation Rescue began and kind of went from there into different opportunities. And yeah. Rally for Life. Things yeah. like that. So, yeah. Yeah. And that was back in the 80s? Late 80s. I think we got involved late 80s, early 90s. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. And then you got involved and then ultimately instrumental in starting Cities for Life. And now your kids, your daughter, My Caitlin, kids are out there. Yeah. yeah. Your daughter, Caitlin, who's what? She's 20? 21. 21. Is out there almost every Saturday mm-hmm. ministering uh, on our Saturday team. And she's just a tremendous blessing. So there's like three generations. Man, we should do a podcast about that. Yeah. Right? The, the generation of. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I do want to do a podcast. Maybe you guys watch yeah. out for that one about. Um, being raised in the pro-life movement. Maybe I'll get Caitlin. What do you think? Yeah. You think she might want to yep. do yeah. it? Because um, I think that is a unique perspective. But yeah, I wanted to touch on that and just, again, give you guys, your family props for mm-hmm. for what you did in Starting Cities for Life and ultimately has led to to Love Life. Love Life sort of sprung out of Cities for Life in one sense. And then now Love Life is just going nationwide. And we're seeing so God. Yeah, we're seeing God raise up people all over the the United States, all over the world. And I find myself actually, and I know you do too, Vicky, mm-hmm. referencing things back to mm-hmm. to the OG crowd, mm-hmm. <laughs> to Lisa mm-hmm. and to Jeanette, the Wilson mm-hmm. family, to the Benhams, and just those who originally started some of the things mm-hmm. that you guys put together. Um, and I think maybe even this person, personhood initiative article. Right, it was, was from them. Yeah, it was, it was originally in something in you guys files. found and, and put it out mm-hmm. yeah. um, so that all of our sidewalk counselors can be informed about this. So we, we do appreciate you. Um, so let's let's talk about the issue of ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, wh- what are we even talking about? What does this mean? Some people may not even know what this term means. Right, right. So let's let Lisa yeah, answer that define, question. Define what, yeah. what that is. Ectopic pregnancy is a child that has been conceived 
um, is already growing but has implanted in somewhere other than the uterus. So that can be uh, the fallopian tube, that can be the abdominal cavity, that can be um, in the in the ovary itself. So it's anything outside the uterus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, more often than than anywhere else, it's actually the, the fallopian the tube. tube. Yeah. Correct. Although I've encountered situations, I had one, this was probably a year and a half or so ago, um, where a young man came over and told me his wife had an ectopic pregnancy. It was a cervical mm, pregnancy, yeah. which is pretty pretty dangerous. So mm. um, there are other ectopic pregnancies, but mm-hmm. if you encounter, and it is a, a small portion of pregnancies that are ectopic, mm-hmm. and, but the larger portion of that small portion are in the fallopian tube. So that's mainly what we're going to be talking about, although there are other places where where a, a baby could be placed right, other than right. the so and of course the danger is that the fallopian tube and all those other places except the um if they somehow get into the abdomen they there isn't room to expand without right. um without that part of your body bursting right and then the resultant hemorrhaging is is the issue right so i, I don't know about what you knew prior to you becoming a mother, but my understanding of ectopic pregnancy before reading this article was that this was not only a death sentence for the mother, but a death sentence for the baby. So of course the abortion almost sounds reasonable right? or does sound reasonable Mm -hmm. if if that's what you truly believe. They're both going to die. So at least save one, Mm -hmm. which would, which would be the mother. So, um, Tell us about maybe just um, to kind of help us to understand what it is from a very personal experience to face an ectopic pregnancy, what you went through, what you did. And and then we'll go from there maybe to talk about some of the research that um, in this personhood initiative article that is really very um, eye opening. Right. Yeah, well, uh, this was back in 2006 when I found out I was pregnant. Um, I was kind of surprised by it, actually, because I had had two cycles before um, where I was pregnant, but didn't know it um, until oh. after that that second cycle. So it took me by surprise. I was shocked at the location of the baby. I'd actually had some pain. So I went into my OB. They did um, an ultrasound, and they told me that the baby was growing and still had a heartbeat in the tube, Ooh. in my fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. So, um, How far along were you at that point? Then? I was about eight weeks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So... That was a little bit scary. They were going to go in and um, they offered me two different options. They said surgery, which would probably be the better of the two options, given the size of the baby. So they said surgery where they could either try to remove the baby from the tube or remove the tube completely. Or two, give me a drug called methotrexate. So um, I knew immediately I didn't, you know, coming from that pro-life background, that did not sit well. Did did they... Did they think that there was any way, like, did they ever mention anything, transplant, you know, anything to give you any hope? Or was it just the baby must be killed in order to save your life? Yes, yes. The baby, you know, needed, was going to die is what they told me. Yeah. Or I could die from, you know, my tube rupturing. Right. um, Which they said could be any moment. And it's a scary place to be. But I knew because of my background, I knew because of what I knew about the Lord and what he said about giving and taking life that that wasn't in my my control. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to take control over ending someone else's life. Yeah. And um, so I told the doctor that, 
And I don't think it came to a surprise to my doctor. They mm-hmm. kind of knew exactly where I stood. They said, well, there is this other method of dealing with a tubal ectopic pregnancy, and that is called expectant management. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of this. Right. Um, I didn't know a whole lot about ectopic pregnancy, but I knew enough to to know that those were probably going to be the only two options I was given, the surgery and the methotrexate, and I said no. Mm-hmm. So they gave me this other option. They said, listen, we'll take your HCG levels. The baby probably won't survive. We'll do repeat ultrasound. You go home, be on bed rest, lie down, see what happens. Um, and I obviously opted for that, um, mm-hmm. knowing what I knew um, and having the convictions I had. And I went home and waited it out. I went for repeat testing and... Um, by that point, the baby had passed. So oh. I rested fully in knowing that I had done everything I could do for that baby um, and that I had chosen something that I could live with, where I could not have lived with choosing to have my baby forcibly removed or its life supply ended yeah, you know, at my choice. So. How long was it from the point that you were told that you had an ectopic pregnancy to the point at which the baby had died? It was actually only a couple of days after only that. a couple of days. Yes. Do you know, and I don't know offhand, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but right. do you know how often that happens that the baby does indeed die? It's it's pretty often because okay. the baby's constricted. Right. Um, and I think it actually says in that personhood article right there um, about that, yeah. uh, the statistics. Okay. So maybe yeah. we'll find that later as, right. as we go through that. So right. did, did you have to have then surgery to have the baby removed? Is that a point to which a, can the baby pass naturally? They told me that it would probably be reabsorbed. And okay. so as far as I know, that's what happened. So. Okay. Okay. So your tubes never ruptured. Never had a rupture. Okay. Nope. All right. No. Nope. And I was told what to do when they sent me home, you know, if I showed signs of rupture, what I should do. Okay. Yeah. And that's the important kind of point to this whole method is they're watching over, they're keeping a close eye. So it's called exactly. expectant management. Management. So they're making sure that, that you're okay. They're kind of a wait and see option here. And again, the point is that you don't want to intentionally take the life of your child, knowing what you know. Now, I do want to say this for people who have dealt with this. Maybe there's people that are listening that have dealt with this, Mm -hmm. that have had ectopic pregnancy, went to the doctor. The doctor recommended this and that. And and you can be in a position sometimes, especially when you're you're already kind of scared and shaken, to make a, a really rash decision. And doctors, a lot of times are risk adverse. And so they're Mm going to take the path of least resistance. And especially if they're not pro-life doctors, they're going to just, okay, well, when in doubt, take it out. And so maybe there's people that are listening that you kind of took that option. We don't, we don't want to bring any condemnation, Mm -hmm. any guilt and say that, you know, Lisa's better than you or, or anything like that. No, thank God she dug a little deeper and they talked about this expected management and, you know, it didn't work out good for the child, but it did work out good for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't have the guilt of uh, of knowing that you intentionally did that. Exactly. Those, again, who are listening, who maybe you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know this was an option, then how are you going to be able to access that option? However, now you know. And even talking to a mom to kind of bring it around to really what we want is to help encourage sidewalk counselors to help a mom who's telling you she has ectopic pregnancy to know that there's another option 
available to her that she don't have to intentionally take the life of her child. She can kind of let, for lack of a better term, nature take its course or whatever. Mm -hmm. Is a way that you can talk to a mom in front of an abortion center about the issue of ectopic pregnancy. And at least to get a second opinion. I mean, because I don't think women understand, you know, that there is this. And this is why I speak about it, because I know people that have personally gone through ectopic pregnancies, chose one of the options given to them, and they deal with that guilt. Well, I would just want people to know that there is another option that's not talked about a whole lot. Right, right. So talk a little bit about that, because I'm sure you you have thought about this, that if there is an exception for abortion, um, for the if the life of the mother is mm-hmm. in danger, what is that the really saying about the value of that child's exactly. life? Exactly. Well, I look at any of my other children, mm-hmm. and which is more important, my life or my mm-hmm. child's life? You know, my two year old. You know, mm-hmm. which life is more important? Neither. They're of equal value in, I, in God's eyes, right. Right. and that's how we have to look at anything. No matter where that child is located, that doesn't determine value. Yeah. Um, that child is still valuable no matter where it is growing currently. Yeah. So any of these exceptions, then it's important, I think, for us as sidewalk counselors to to speak about that. Yes. That there is the tacit admission then that that unborn baby is somehow of less value. Mm-hmm. And that's not biblical. Yes. So and it and it fuels, I think, what happened in in the issue of how to manage ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that, that this article brought out is, first of all, is it a death sentence? Because I think we all thought it, I did, we right. thought it was. It was a death sentence for the mom. Now, it was not a death sentence for you. Correct. It The mom can die. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say she can't. But there is um, certainly research in in this article that demonstrates that that is not necessarily the case. That they they and the the research is a little bit like convoluted and and hard um, for me to summarize easily. But um, kind of in in summary, uh, one of the studies showed that in at least 99.6 of all the ruptured ectopic pregnancies in a study in southern Israel, they did not result in the death of the mom. Mm-hmm. So that's not that's a, a pretty sense. high success rate. And and they, I, th- I think in a lot of these cases, success is more uh, pronounced and likely in the case of expectant management, mm-hmm. what, what you did, mm-hmm. and now autotransfusion. Mm-hmm. And I had thought you had gone through that, but I guess I was incorrect about that. No, I did that. not. Okay. But that is, and for autotransfusion, for those who don't understand what it is, is yeah. when the tube has ruptured and blood has flowed into the abdominal cavity, there are actually methods where they can take that blood out and reinsert it into the mother so that she's not bleeding to death. She's having her same blood put back through her right, system. <laughs> right. So so the the idea that it is a death sentence for the mother is is not Correct. necessarily true. It's not true. The research and there is and you can go through this all of all of you people listening later later on because we will post this article. But then the second point that is often made is okay, it's not necessarily that the mom will die, but what about the baby? Babies don't survive ectopic pregnancy. So why put the mother through risk for the death sentence of the baby? 
Exactly. Now, do you read, can you talk a little bit about that? I can that? speak to that. Okay. Actually, I have a, a good friend. Her name is Reese, and mm-hmm. she was an ectopic pregnancy. Oh, interesting. She was actually, um, she implanted in her mother's tube and right at the end, right before, you know, uh, the tube leads to the, to the uterus. And her mother was inclu- encouraged to abort. And mm-hmm. heavily pressured. And she said, no, I cannot do it. It is against my conscience. I cannot take the drugs. Wow. I cannot do the surgery. Wow. She waited. Mm-hmm. Um, and that baby migrated, which does happen. The placenta migrates during pregnancy. That baby migrated to the uterus. And that is now my friend who's, you know, 40 something years old and alive and well and has children. And, you know, amazing yeah. things God has done because her mom placed her trust in Jesus instead of the medical doctors. That's yeah. such an awesome story. And that and and that's what the research shows is mm-hmm. that the baby has an amazing ability to transplant itself somewhere mm-hmm. else. And there there was one case described in this article of a baby that um the tube actually ruptured. The mom survived, mm-hmm. I assume through transfusion. The baby migrated into the abdomen and grew for nine months Mm -hmm. and was delivered healthy by cesarean section, healthy, full term child that grew in the abdomen. Yeah. There's been, there is one, at least one recorded case of a baby that grew the full nine months. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I'm not sure it was the full nine months, but to the point of where they could take the baby out safely in the tube. Right. In in the tube. And the tube did not rupture. Um, so it kind of begs the question then um, of if if the baby can transplant itself, why aren't doctors mm-hmm. trans? We could make it to the moon. Yes. Why aren't we transplanting babies from the tube into the uterus? And you have to realize it's a culture of death, and yeah. that life, that little life, is not important. That life yeah. is expendable, and yeah. that's not God's way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation is because we want this we, we want to season this culture with the value of human life because the more and more we air quotes progress as a culture, it seems the more and more we devalue human lives. Mm-hmm. So we've really not progressed, we've we've regressed. We we've not uh, gone the way that the Lord had wanted us to go and in the medical community. That's that's the same way. I mean, in this article, which you're probably going to touch on, there have been cases where doctors successfully in what nineteen twenty something. Yeah, in nineteen seventeen, a doctor success nineteen seventeen. I, I mean, that's a hundred years mm-hmm. ago. A doctor successfully transplanted a baby from the fallopian tube to the uterus, and that baby was born healthy and fine. I believe by C-section nine months later, and that a hundred years ago. Why has, and he thought this is the start of the whole new uh, wave of how to deal with what was once a death sentence. They thought was a death sentence. So why didn't that happen? So what is, what else is happening in like the 1920s? Who's coming on the scene right around then? There's a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler that's coming (laughs) on the scene, but also you have Margaret Sanger comes on the scene. And you really have this, this chipping away of the value of human life. And that's why we, as those who are believers in Jesus, and because we're believers in Jesus, we believe in the value of human life, that we have to uphold this standard, that we can't just be willy-nilly. And I understand, again, that there's differing opinions, and even within the pro-life medical community about ectopic pregnancy and and how you deal with that. I understand that. 
But it can't just be a light and kind of glib thing. Oh, yeah, ectopic pregnancy. Well, then we've got to do the uh, these mm-hmm. other methods where we, you know, the baby ultimately has to, to be intentionally killed. No, if we're going to hang on to this value of human life and uphold the standard of God, we need to be very careful in the way that we approach any subject that has to do with human life. Even getting into the realm of like, you know, not the rabbit trail, but assisted suicide and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's even Christians that are toying with the idea that this might be a moral thing to allow people to be assisted in suicide. Again, it's a chipping away of the value of human life. And whereas you had a doctor in 1917 that was willing to take the risk and to do this procedure and ultimately with good results, now you've got doctors now that are not even willing to consider what you're even talking about, which is expectant management. Mm -hmm. And so really, again, if if we're going to uphold this standard, we need to stand firm. And that's why it's helpful to have articles like this and to have podcasts like this that are encouraging you to do that and so that you can be well-informed because a lot of Christians have no clue about some of the stuff that we're talking that's about. Right. Mm-hmm. What did you face when, when you're talking to your doctors, your family, your friends, your husband, and you're saying, this is my decision? Was there an overwhelming support for a decision to follow that approach, or was there still pressure, you're going to die, Lisa, and we don't want you to die, we love you? I I have such a supportive family and they're all followers of Jesus. So mm-hmm. because of that, they supported me in affirming life and not yeah. killing my baby. Yeah. So thankfully I had that support, but had I not had that support, I still would have stood my ground and done what I knew I needed to do in God's eyes. So can right. you imagine what what do you think is happening to the moms in, a in, in a very strong abortion minded mm-hmm. culture? Yes, they're feeling a yeah. lot of pressure. Yeah. So, yeah, we need to be there to support them and to educate yeah. them, and things yeah. like this does that. So. Yeah. Do we do we know of pro-life doctors who are aware of expectant management and are supportive? And We have some locally that are okay. aware of that and yeah. who would institute that. Are they hard to cases. find? They are hard to find. Yeah. Um, and you might, uh, like, like I said, they never gave me that option. I had right. to push back on the other two options that I was given in order to learn about expectant yeah. management. So... Yeah. If you're ever faced with this, guys, you need to to know that it is an option and you need to press um, your doctor for that, uh, you know, for that option to be given to you. Yeah, so, and at least information. Yes. About, and then if they that. don't give it, go to another doctor Yeah, until you find someone that's willing to support you in your convictions. Yeah. Right. I think one of the points here in any, especially this, but any of the kind of high risk, um, difficult situations, and we train our sidewalk counselors and the sidewalk missionaries that we're bringing in to Charlotte to deal with the hard cases in any of these hard cases, especially, you know, again, the medical ones or, you know, fetal diagnosis, like, you know, down syndrome or whatever, we're always encouraging a second opinion. Yes. And with this, especially it's like, well, get a second opinion because we've had situations where we've had moms that were sent by their OB doctor to the abortion clinic. And that happens a lot, guys. It happens a lot where doctors will send a mom to an abortion clinic because it's a lot cheaper. I mean, let's face it, to, to go to the hospital and have all that, you know, if, even if they're having, we've had doctors send a woman who they said was miscarrying to the abortion center, rather than her going to the hospital and having a DNC, she could have a DNC at the uh, abortion clinic here for like $400. And I remember one young lady, she drove all the way from Virginia to come here, mm. was told by her doctor that she was miscarrying, that her baby is already dead. Thank God. We got her on the mobile unit, and she ended up seeing that her baby was actually alive, and she she left not having killed her child. Doctors are wrong sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
doctors sometimes, I'm not saying all doctors or even most doctors, some, some doctors have agendas too. And, uh, we need to be careful for that. And, uh, you know, opening up the door to a second opinion, it, like it can't hurt, right. Mm-hmm. To be able to at least have a second opinion, um, because there is guilt associated with, with having abortions, whether or not our culture says that's true or not. It's, it's a reality. Yeah. Was, was your doctor concerned at all about um, a lawsuit? I think so. I think most doctors are. Right. Because that's immediately why they're going to go for the quick fix. Let's get it done so right. that we're not facing the risks of right. expectant management. Because there are risks involved. If something were to happen, right. my husband could turn around and sue them. Right. So, um I always encourage people, if you're serious about this and your doctor's at all hesitant, assure them a lawsuit's not going to happen if something were to happen to me. Right, right. And in this article, it talks about that it it is part of the medical, uh, I don't know if insurance, policy, whatever, that a doctor, ha- if he has two patients, he is not expected to give equal time and treatment to both patients. He's ex- he's expected to do whatever he needs to do to prioritize, to save the patient he's most likely mm-hmm. to save if he's going to lose like one. Triage. And he is not sued. He is not suable. I don't know what, uh, you know, uh, liable for maybe the, the fact that one patient died because he had to attend to the needs of the other. Mm-hmm. So doctors are really looking at two patients when they're looking at a a mom with a ectopic pregnancy, but they're not really, most doctors are not viewing it Mm -hmm. that way. They're looking Mm -hmm. at the mom is their patient. So what does that say about what they're viewing? Exactly. The the baby as. Right. And obviously not a person, Mm -hmm. not a person, which is why this is the personhood initiative, because this really does change the kind of the whole scope of, of the discussion. Exactly. So, um, can you talk about some of the strengthening biblical, you know, support that, that you found during that time? I'm sure it was still a hard, it was, it was scary days or whatever and frightening. Yes, it was scary. But I mean, you just got to go back to scripture and ask yourself, what would God have me to do? Well, he's Mm -hmm. very clear. Thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. There's no ifs, ands or buts. So that was the primary foundation for making the decision I did. But some comforting things, you know, that I found, particularly um, Psalm 31, 15 says, my time is in your hands. Mm, So the Lord has our days numbered Mm -hmm. and we have to trust in him that because we are his child and because our days are already numbered, we're exactly where God would have us to be. Yeah. Now, if we step outside of that and we commit murder, we allow someone to take that baby too early, then those days might be numbered less than they should have been. Right. So yeah. why put yourself at risk? The safest place to be is in the middle of God's will. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you weren't making a thoughtless or foolish decision either. You had scriptural support, but you also right. had researched. You knew some of what you could suggest to the doctor. Right. So you were armed with knowledge. Right. And that's so key to know. And that's why I like to speak about it, you know, to others so that they are armed if they're ever faced with with something like this. Yeah. And you've had other high-risk pregnancies, haven't you? Right. Right. Yeah, I do. You've you've dealt with a, a lot, so you could speak knowledgeably about this whole exception of the life of a mother. Right. My life is of equal worth in God's eyes as my baby's. So yeah, unborn or born. So yeah, always let the Lord have control of that and he'll guide you. He'll, 
you know, you're safest in the palm of his hand right there in the middle of his will. So, Right. Amen. Yeah. Well, you certainly um, practice what you preach, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we should. And I think this conversation will help others to continue to just uphold the value of human life because it can create some some dilemmas in our minds when we start to kind of chip away at that value of human life and we mm-hmm. start to leave exceptions. I mean, the reality is that Roe v. Wade back in 1973 was based solely on the exceptions, mm-hmm. the things that a lot of people that would say even that they're pro-life um, would leave as exceptions for abortions. But Which are less than point, 1% yeah. of, mm-hmm. of all the, the reason for abortion these these exceptions. Yeah, yeah. So rape, incest, right. the health of the mother. Right. Those are the things that open the floodgates of of ultimately na- nationwide child sacrifice at these abortion centers. And so as pro-lifers, as people that believe as Christians that believe that human life has value, those exceptions can't be can't be something that we stand on, something that we allow. We have to uphold the standard of truth that God is in charge. He is the one that holds life and death in his hands, and we as a society don't have a right to take the innocent lives of children, even if there's some extenuating circumstances. Um, Just dealing quickly with the issue of rape, because Mm -hmm. that is probably the biggest exception that we hear. You know, well, I was raped, so therefore it's okay. But a child who's who's a result of rape is no different than a child who's not. If I were to show you a baby in the womb that was a result of rape and a baby in the womb that was not, you would see no difference. And in the same way, a baby that's conceived and ends up in ectopic pregnancy situation is no less valuable than a baby that's in the uterus. Your location does not determine your value. Yes, again, it's a difficult situation, but we need to approach that situation from a biblical and God-honoring perspective. And I believe what you've shared is has been just that. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, just because as, as he was talking, I was thinking back to, to your experience and you had just a couple of days that before you knew that your child had died. But in, in the case of a mom whose child is still growing Mm -hmm. in the tube, what do they tell you? Cause I'm sure they did tell you, what do you look for? What are you in your expectant management, what sorts of things are you to be aware of to protect yourself and to know when to call the doctor, when to to go to the ER, whatever? Well, you're being pretty closely monitored. So they're taking your HCG levels every other day. If they're dropping, obviously the baby is, is in the process of dying um, if or is already gone. If um, But if they're climbing, of course, the baby's growing. That determines a lot of things right there as to what they'll tell you to look for. But bleeding would be a major thing. Um, Increased pain and cramping would be something to look forward to or look for. Um, And then they would instruct you to go to the emergency room at that point. And how much time do you have? Say when these symptoms as they're accelerating. It depends at what, you know, how badly the tube has ruptured because sometimes it can just be a little... Nick, you know, in the oh, in the tube, okay. or, or it can really, you know, be much more serious. Get, you know, okay. some kind of a a blood vessel or whatever, and that can be much more serious. So, yeah. it kind of it's it really depends. Some ruptures okay. are worse than others. Yeah, yeah. Do they hospitalize moms sometimes? They and do. keep them in the hospital for that expected yes. management time. Yes, yes. Especially if the baby's bigger. All so, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They would. Before we wrap this up, and uh, you may may or may not be able to share, but if you can, please share. Maybe without giving specifics, mm-hmm. um, 
a situation you've encountered with a mom that has had an ectopic pregnancy at the abortion center or somehow you are connected with that person um, and how you kind of talk them through and walk them through that, that situation? Well, I'm always quick to point out, you know, if your doctor has told you you have a tubal ectopic pregnancy and you're coming to an ambulatory surgical center for an abortion, what are they going, what procedure are they going to do on you in there? Normally they're telling me that they're coming for um, a surgical abortion. Well, that just sends up a bunch of red flags because yeah. if the baby's outside of the uterus, you can't do a surgical abortion. Now, if they're telling them to go there for a medical abortion, even that has some really iffy things because you're going home to labor and deliver that baby on your own. And so I'm pointing out these these um, cracks in their treatment plan to where that mom could end up harmed anyway yeah. doing the medical abortion or going through with a surgical abortion where that baby's still growing in that tube and didn't you didn't solve anything they thought they were going to solve. So you really got to dig deep and see what they've been told, where the location of the baby is, which is why it's always good to get a second opinion yeah. to make sure that baby is where they said it was. Um, and then I just remind them that it's not within our control or it's not been given to us by God to call whether or not this baby should be executed. Mm -hmm. And um, we are only supposed to support life and we need to find someone who's going to back us up, you know, and, and, and align who has the treatment plan that aligns with God's. Yeah. So um, I'm always just quick to get them into a second opinion to a good yeah. doctor who's going to, to determine what's best for them and what's best for that baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's certainly a situation where, I mean, again, I've encountered these situations, and it's never, if it's a real situation, because sometimes I've been lied to. I know you have mm -hmm. too, Vicki. I'm mm -hmm. sure you have too. Or yeah, I was they, thinking they if she was talking with her questions to them, I'm sure you've uncovered people that right. might, you thought, hmm, yeah. this is yeah. just another excuse. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're really trying to make you feel bad for talking to them about going mm -hmm. into the abortion center. But in the situations where I've encountered, and they've been very few and far between, where it's been legit and it's been mm -hmm. a genuine situation— it's never that they're coming to me and talking to me in some proud and arrogant way. They're already broken, yes. right? There's already a heaviness about them. And I, I make sure and just be very intentional with my language. I'm not coming across as condemning or, or as you know judgy or whatever. Mm -mm. We want to identify. And again, we train folks in all of these hard cases to have compassion, to identify with their struggle and all of that. But it really gets to the point where when I'm talking to a mom going into an abortion center, a dad whose girlfriend or wife is going into the abortion center, is that like you're going into a place of darkness. You're going into a place of death. Yeah. I know you probably wanted to keep this baby. That's oftentimes the case in these mm -hmm. situations I've encountered. And so you want to keep this child, and you're brokenhearted because you're not going to be able to. You don't think that you're going to be able to. You're going into a place full of people that don't want to keep their children. You're subjecting yourself to doctors. I mean, wow, if you go through the track record of some of these doctors, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the doctors here at the Latrobe Abortion Center is uh, actually responsible for the death of a woman. I don't know if you knew this, but he actually, a woman came to his clinic and uh, had an ectopic pregnancy. This is like 2006. And he gave her the abortion pill. And then she came back because she was still pregnant. The abortion pill apparently didn't work. And so he gave a surgical abortion to an empty uterus. He didn't do his due diligence to find out that she had an ectopic pregnancy. Well, because the abortion pill will never work mm -hmm. on, yeah. on, on an ectopic pregnancy. Mm -hmm. It's a different pill. Correct. Yeah. Than what, yeah. yeah. So she ultimately, um, as far as the little bit of digging that we've done, her fallopian tube ruptured and she died. She bled to death. 
So you don't want abortionists, people that get paid to kill people's children, to oversee your ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Right? If that's a genuine thing that you're dealing with, or that a mom that as a sidewalk counselor that you're you're ministering to, then she needs to go to a real doctor. She needs mm-hmm. to be overseen by a hospital or by a real doctor, not an abortion clinic, not an abortionist. And I will say, if you've been referred to an abortion clinic by your doctor because they tell you that that pregnancy is out of the uterus, is an ectopic pregnancy, that should send up some warning flags to you. Oh, because yes. no good doctor is going to do that in the case of an ectopic pregnancy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Sadly, I mean, the abortion center is probably the cheapest place Mm-hmm. For them to go and have that baby right. removed. Right. As opposed to the hospital. But it can't even be done in ectopic circumstances. Right. So right. Kind of. Right. You got to think, right. why do they want me yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> only if, the, I guess they, they would refer only if, I'm assuming, unless they're a really terrible doctor, they are, they are referring, correct me if I'm wrong, if the baby is so small, so young, that the medication can still be safely taken. Is that correct? It might be, yes. Okay. Yes. Although you should still be under the care of a doctor after the methotrexate is given. And I don't even think they, I don't think that's the drug they use there anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we hope we gave you guys some information to chew on, to think about, to pray about. And we hope you guys will dig into this article that we're going to post. It's called Ectopic Personhood and it's from the Personhood Initiative. So if uh, for some reason you you guys don't see it in the show notes of this podcast, maybe you're accessing this podcast on some other platform than Apple Podcasts, uh, certainly you can just Google search it and you'll find it. Uh, Share this podcast with folks that you know. Maybe it'll be a blessing to someone. And uh, reach out to us. You can reach out to me, dparks at citiesforlife.com. You can reach out to her, vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. We'd love to hear Um, some suggestions of topics that we can cover. And uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think about the podcast, maybe some things we can improve. Um, And just before I wrap it up, I want to thank you again, Lisa, for coming. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time away from your family to to come and share. And again, just to end it off, we're not medical professionals. We're not (laughs) pretending to be. We don't play medical professionals on TV. This is not a medical professional podcast. But it is a gospel-centered pro-life podcast, and so we hope it was a blessing to you guys. And so until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you